welcome to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesqua. Nice to have you with us this morning. Do you know your neighbor? I love this question. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Do you? Hi, neighbor. Do you know your neighbor? Yes, I do. Really? Yes. I, I also know my neighbors, but. I also made it a point to, to know my neighbors. Right. For a very good reason. Yeah. What's your reason? Well, in case there's an emergency. Okay. Or in case you need something done and you become friends with them, you help them, they help you. It's a, it's, it's a good, th right. I mean, you should know your neighbors for heaven's sakes. Well, like my mom, and I, we know our neighbors at my mom's house. Yeah. But everywhere I've ever lived by myself. You don't know your neighbors? Wow, nope. like when you live in buildings. So when right. you live in buildings, you kind of isolate yourself and you only say hi to the people who are like, sort of like you or- Or you, you know, like pass in the pass, hall maybe. Or in the elevator. Right. Yeah, an apartment, apartment living or condo living, it's, you start to see the same people over and over again, but do you ever stop and say, hi, I'm Carlos. No, because then you'd be like, who are you, freakazoid? Like, why are you speaking to me? Like, don't talk to me. Uh, so, in, of course, you know, in yesteryear, you know, you think of uh, neighborhood block parties and big barbecues and like holiday parties, right? Like, yeah. you all knew your neighbors. It was very, very common, but not anymore. How about this? More people, in fact, a study of 2,000 British adults found that 75% don't know their neighbor at all or would consider their neighbors acquaintances at best. Well, the British people, they, they don't like each other. Yeah, but I mean, it equates here. <laughs> That's a here. nice neighborhood, by the way. Isn't that beautiful? Where is that? I'd like to live there. I would That's too. really nice houses there. Right, so 25% of the people studied said they would never dream of even knocking on the door of one of their neighbors okay, uninvited. So that's. I think that's part of the British mentality. You don't kind of violate anybody's space. You maintain your own thing. You don't bother anybody. But in here, I think people are a little more open. I would never, if, if in my old, apartments or condos or town I would never knock on my table never I I'm the guy that does oh you're the freaker you're the freak <laughs> hi I'm Carlos we're new to the building nice to see <laughs> you like, hi I'm Carlos want to oh, be my friend yeah want to be my friend <laughs> yes this is my dog this is my cat this is my kid this is my wife <laughs> this is where I work that's crazy that's my car down there in a parking I think parking, you're, parking space 2b that's I me I think that that is lovely but I think <laughs> It's part of your generation. I think my generation is You're a little bit more isolated. Very You're isolated. You're on your phone. Those are your friends. Right. People right, on right. your. So I'll tell you a story since we're yeah. talking about this. Tell me. Uh, I did not. I did not know my neighbors in the cul-de-sac in in uh, Thousand Oaks where we lived. Uh, when your during, kids were little. When my kids were little, uh -huh. and the Northridge earthquake hit. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did not know any of my neighbors. Well, right. I knew one neighbor, right. sort of, and he was a dentist and a great guy. But we weren't like great friends. We were just acquaintances, right. okay? Right. I didn't know the people on that side or anybody down the street. The Northridge earthquake hit. And suddenly, we're all out on the street. Yeah. Freaked out about what's going on. We're all standing in the cul-de-sac and we're like, who are you? <laughs> Wow, that's a good way to get to know your neighbor, oh though. It was dark as can be, and we were all really scared about what was going on. Right. And we all experienced several aftershocks together, together. in the street. So it was like a bonding experience. And from then on, we became part, probably the tight, most tight-knit neighborhood ever. Right. We had barbecues together, parties together, people came up to our house, we came down to their house. It was amazing he transformation. Bonded, bonded over trauma. 
bonded over trauma. But that's the, the point was that uh, we had, I had a motorhome, so I had power and I had a refrigerator and a lot of people used our refrigerator wow. to keep their stuff in our motorhome. Wow. And so we were like working out, working out ways to make everybody comfortable and happy and, wow. and safe. So I think it's, I mean. It, it, has it taken an earthquake to get people together? Well, producer Amy was just, we were talking about this this morning and producer Amy said, I didn't know my neighbors until the fires just yeah. this last year. Oh, of course. Yeah. And for the same reason, same the trauma reason. kind of brings you together. But that the study says one in 10 people, you talk about your neighbors like yeah. in the in the street together. Right. Like in the cul-de-sac, yeah. One in ten saw their neighbors less than once a month. Oh yeah, I would see. I would see that. Because yeah. here, We're busy people. And you drive into your garage and you, you shut the door, the door and you just go right in. Like yeah. you don't like huh. Truman style. Hey neighbor, hey. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. <laughs> the Truman you know? Show. I love that. Um, uh, here's the other thing that surprised me: one in twenty could not name anyone on their street. They couldn't name one single person. That doesn't surprise me. That's, right. That's really not good. And sadly, 56% of people said that they have no interest in getting well, to that's know a you problem. their neighbor. <laughs> that, that you don't even want to you know your neighbors? You don't even neighbors? want to. On the positive side, 4 in 10 people said they were friendly with a few of their neighbors, but would never call them actual friends. And 18% of people living in rural areas are more likely to know their neighbors than people in the cities. That makes sense Yeah, to me I mean, too. so the thing is, that after a while, you, if you take a vacation and your neighbor watches your cat or makes sure your trash gets out or your mail gets out. Right. I mean, I've had some lovely neighbors who've taken really good care of our house when we're gone, and then we've reciprocated and done the right. same thing for them. And so, you, you know, you want to be able to ask your neighbors to help out, right. and you want to be helpful to them. So right. I think that's a big part of being a neighbor, well, right? Being a good neighbor, and right? And watching like, out for each other's houses, make sure no strangers are showing up. Right. You know? So, like, I, like I said, I don't know my neighbors when I've lived in my yeah. own by myself. I just stay to myself. But my mom has lovely neighbors who do just <laughs> that, take the trash out, yeah. help her out, and it's always so nice. Well, Joe's so friendly. She is. She's much nicer <laughs> than me, my mother. Um, one in five people, by the way, what do you ask for for favors? So can you feed the cat? Can you feed the cat? Can you take our trash out and the collect the mail? And collect the mail. Yeah, because you don't want your mailbox full of Those mail. are all exactly the favors that people would ask yeah, their neighbors, yeah, according yeah. to the study. Um, so all of those But the things, what do you think causes the fights among neighbors? Uh, like sleeping with your neighbor's wife? Well, that's an aggressive <laughs> choice. I was not Which, expecting that. Which, by the way, that. happened in my neighborhood. Oh, jeez, Carlos. <laughs> Which created all, all kinds, kinds of issues. You know, it was like knots landing in my neighborhood. It's like, what the heck is going on here? Knots landing. People, Hello, come on, keep it together. Knots yeah. landing. That's a little different okay. than taking out well, the I trash was, and feeding the cat. You I know was, what I'm saying? I, <laughs> taking care of your neighbor. That's not good. Um, okay, do no, that. that is not on the list well, of things neighborly, that neighbor fights about. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. It's, like, it's really offensive. <laughs> what the most common things that neighbors fight about? Loud noise and blocking driveways. I had a neighbor who used to get so mad if you blocked his driveway, or even were an inch off your, because sometimes you have yeah. shared uh, uh, driveways. Oh, yeah, sure, Shared sure. parking, uh -huh, so uh -huh. when I moved from our little cul-de-sac house, I moved to a, house, a place that was really much closer together. Yeah. And I would park just a little bit, like two inches that side of the mailbox, and he would have a fit. Really? Yeah, because he had this giant SUV. Would he like bang on the door, like car He would knock on the door and say, can you move your car? I've got to park my car. And I'd look and he'd have like 50 feet that way. 
And I go, why don't you just move? He says, because then I can't get in and out of my door. And he starts yelling at me. And I go, okay, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to. Wow. I have never had You know had who that. you are. <laughs> Carlos, you really. Bobby lived on the other you, side. You really are on a roll today, <laughs> sleeping with the neighbor. What kind of, what kind of. Melrose Place. Oh no! I pick my neighborhoods at. very carefully. They've got to be very exciting neighborhoods. <laughs> Jeez! The All best right. neighborhood ever. <laughs> That's ever. All right, we have a great show for you today. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Next, she's a teacher, has a podcast, and can be seen in the new Spectrum series, Manhunt: Deadly Games. We catch up with the busy Cindy Fernandez Dixon. Breaking into Hollywood often starts with one part after another, you know, you audition, you hope mm -hmm. to get one, one after another. Our next guest is, well, kind of living that life. Her latest project, however, is really starting to rock the world. Manhunt Deadly Games, a Spectrum original series. Welcome, Cindy Fernandez-Nixon. Hi, Cindy. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for having me here well, with thanks you. thanks for coming. This um, must be an exciting thing to be involved with, right? This is. Manhunt series? It is. It is. I love being involved with anything that's related to actual events that happened. So, because you're like, as you're watching, you're Googling, like, did it really happen? <laughs> totally. So, even I do that. And I'm in the show. I'm like, oh, they do that. Uh, but it's super exciting. That's it's awesome. Super exciting. Um, I want to talk about being involved in the acting world because it is not an easy road. It is not an easy game. And like we said in the intro, it's kind of one like one little part at a time to get into hopefully breaking into the big time. What is that like the struggle every day for an actor like yourself? Well, it really is not, you can't become an actor for the money or the fame because that's really never there. And if you ever get there, you're like, I really don't want to talk to people. And <laughs> it's, 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 it's difficult. So it's a, it's a career of passion, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I got into it when I was maybe four years old. Oh, like wow. I came to the United States and like I wanted to be on stage, I wanted to entertain and I thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, little by little, I started to learn more about it. I started to dance, then I went into theater, and I did that for a while, and then I got into film. So the struggle, how do you <laughs> handle that? How do you handle that yourself? Well, mentally, you have to remind yourself that this is, again, you have to love it. It can't be for the money. Outside of that, dealing with parents. I come from a Latino background where my parents weren't really... Supportive. Exactly, because <laughs> how are you going to make it? You know, it's, it's um, you, there's a billion people doing the same thing. How are you going to pay the bills? So you also have to find a balance on what you love and also finding a way to support yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so is it as rewarding as you expected it to be when you actually get the part? It, it is, but also you're in the mentality of like you've been through so much that once you start working and piling up credits, you don't see it as glorious as you used to yeah. when mm -hmm. you were starting. Mm -hmm. You see it as like, okay, now I got to go to the next one and I got to keep going and you become ambitious in a different way. Right. You also take being turned down so different. Yeah. Um, I, I, you talked about a pa having a passion for it. You also have a passion for talking to people, and I know you have a podcast. I do. Okay, and it's, well, tell me the name again, because it's super clever. Now that I had my coffee. Then now that I had my coffee, I can speak to you. So tell me yes. what it's about. What do you talk about on the podcast? So basically, I bring people from different walks of life, and I want them to sit down, sip on their favorite cup of coffee, or tea, or whatever mm -hmm. they like to drink. Their favorite 
happy place drink, beverage. And um, sit down and, and just tell me about their life, you know, what they've went through. If you're an actor, tell me about your struggle because we all have a different story. Mm -hmm. If you are an entrepreneur, you know, what made you start your business and what issues did you encounter when you were going through um, your all your faces and how did you get through them? Now, the main reason why I have the podcast is because I'm a huge mental health advocate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the times people don't open up about oh, I'm feeling depressed or I'm bipolar or whatever it is. You but feel I like think you're the only one with the problem, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're the only one and sometimes you don't even see it yourself. Right. And a lot of the times it's really good when you hear someone else share their struggle and how they got through it because then you may say, well, I'm not alone. Right. You know, I'm not the only one. Or, oh, they did that. Maybe I can try that as well. And it's, a, it's an indirect way of also addressing mental health because it doesn't matter what career, you need to work here first to be able to get past any issues. And, right. as if, and as if trying out for uh, roles and doing a podcast, you're also teaching dancing. I mean, so you give of yourself even when you have some spare time? Well, you know, again, going back to, um, I, I've, I've been a dancer my whole life, and I realized that even when I was in moments that it was very sad, I didn't feel like getting up, or yeah. I, I wasn't getting an audition for a few weeks, I would get myself to go to Zumba class at the gym. <laughs> and then for like an hour, I would forget about the world because I was just into the music and dancing and working out at the same time. And if you think about it medically, when you work out, your body itself releases the hormones to make you feel happier. And it's also a way to combat um, Alzheimer's, depression, anything that's related to, again, mental health. So for me, it's really good to, to instill these values on kids because when I was growing up, I was a dancer, but my sister, she didn't really like dancing. And today, her entire lifestyle is different because of her lack of being active when mm -hmm. she was younger. So you're so you're helping the kids in the Culver City School District bringing dance to the <laughs> PE class which and teaching them how to choreograph, which is oh, perfect. Wow, really? wow. Yes, which is perfect, and it it really I'm sure those kids love to have you there and love <laughs> yes. to learn to dance. Eighth where, graders, it's uh, good good for you. Eighth <laughs> uh, where and the and the podcast? Where can we hear the podcast? So in all podcasts. A podcast platforms. Yeah, okay. If you go um, pretty much anywhere, you can just go and look up for Now That I Had My Coffee. All right. And you'll see the first season is out. Very, very good interviews from like people different backgrounds. So, all right. Cool. Nice to, to have you And your show in. is on Spectrum? Yes, a Spectrum is in Spectrum Original. Okay. Spectrum. So you can binge all of the episodes. Perfect. Right now. <laughs> all right. Sydney, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Great to have you here. Thank you. Absolutely. Next, her holistic approach to healing has helped patients in Los Angeles for years. Hear from Dr. Yoon Song. Dr. Yoon Song is using a holistic approach to help people heal, and she's here to tell us what that actually means in a much different way. And also a patient of hers, uh, Sherry Shanker, is also joining us this morning. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Welcome. Nice to be here. Nice to All right, here. so let's talk a little bit about, we, the last time you were here, we talked about what your practice entails as far as holistic and herbs and, and all the different things that you use that are different than perhaps traditional med medicine uses. Tell me about uh, your process with, with regards to individual therapy, especially when it comes to food and inflammation and, and toxicity. Yes, um, 
even though we find the same underlying cause, even though you come to same migraine, for example, we find it can be migraine, can be from the chemical toxicity, or it can be heavy metal toxicity, or it can be hormone imbalance. So even though we find the same chemical toxicity, which is very common now, like chlorine in water, then two same people, same cause, but we can use different supplements. Some people use homeopathic works better, some people works herbal medicine better, mm. because our body biochemistry is different. So everybody is different. Yeah. So everybody has different food sensitivity too, but after testing thousands of patients, I find out there are four things good for every single person. Okay, what are those four okay. things? First is avocado. So you should eat avocado every day. Okay, I like avocado. That's <laughs> yeah. easy. I can do that all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Second is berries. Berries. Except strawberry. There is some allergy. You know, some patients. Like blueberries and blackberries. Blackberry, blackberries. Okay. And third is Brazilian nuts. Okay. The big nuts, but you shouldn't eat more than you know five per day. Okay, because they are large. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fourth is sister's tea. It's not green tea, it's not white tea, it's sister's tea. It's good for everybody. And what is, okay, so is that, you, you should do that every day you're saying? You can do every day. Okay. If you eat same thing usually, you, your body can uh, develop to food sensitivity, but I find out these four things you can do every day. It's, what does the avocado do? Avocado is good for your heart, it's good fat, so it makes your cell membrane healthy and strong. Okay, yeah. uh, let's see, the, the next thing was berries. Yeah. What do the berries do? Berries high antioxidants, so it helps to remove free radicals and yeah. And the next thing was the Brazilian nut. Mm -hmm. uh, I would chop it up so that it's more <laughs> consumable. You can put it in cereal and things. What do yeah. the Brazilian nuts do? It has uh, selenium. It's again, it's great, great, the best healthy fat for your brain, your heart, and your circulation. And the tea is a digestive? No, it's not digestive. Ah, it's, really? it's really, I use even Lyme patients and lupus patients and all autoimmune wow. patients. It really helps to handle your hidden immune challenges. All right, so Sherry is one of your patients and she's mm -hmm. done some of this regimen. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you found her and what it's done for you. I found Dr. Song through a friend and um, I was dealing with a flare-up for ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease mm -hmm. that has to do with inflammation in the intestines. Um, being never trying any holistic approach before, I said, why not? Because I didn't want to go back on steroids, which are not very good for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I went to her and within a month, I was feeling so much better. And now it's been about eight to nine months and I, healthier than I've ever been. All right, so you, what is I mean, your reaction to this? Because uh, you're married to a doctor and I'm your doctor, to, your, your doctor husband doctor. Is, is, is really schooled in a different way. So Correct. tell me about that dynamic. Well, I've changed his beliefs now. And, um, I think a lot of doctors are starting to see this, right? Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, based on Dr. Song's recommendations and what um, she's given to me personally has reduced the inflammation um, and that's been documented medically through colonoscopies. The inflammation went down so much wow. just from doing, taking the herbs and anything that she gives me 
every week that I come in, whatever problem needs to be addressed. But reducing the inflammation by so much was just an unbelievable thing that I felt like I needed to tell every single person how great this was yeah. for me. And I'm still continuing to work on myself and my health. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is that there's still people who don't believe that this actually works, but we have now someone here who, who does work. And I and I have also used herbs and things to help mm -hmm. keep myself healthy. People mm -hmm. always say to me, how is it you, you look so good mm -hmm. at your age? I say, well, because I do X, Y, Z, and it's a little different, little different regimen. I, I do the avocados. Great. And I, I <laughs> somewhat do the berries, do but I don't do anything else. So, I need, so tell us how we can get a hold of you and what to expect when we come into your office. So when you come to see me, uh, I test uh, muscle response testing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's linked to applied kinesiology testing. So I find out if you have structural issue and chemical, biochemical, nutrition issue and emotional issue. And we give whole program for you accordingly. No. So we have many different modality to handle all those issues. So the next time you come, and, and, I, and I'd love to have you come back and talk about the emotional component, mm -hmm. how and that connects physiolog physiologically with mm -hmm. our bodies, because mm -hmm. I find that very interesting. Thank you so much for being here uh, with Thank us this you. morning. It's really been interesting. How, how do we get a hold of you? Is there a website? Yes, we have uh, 3angelshealthcenter.com. 3angelshealthcenter.com. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank really, you. really interesting stuff. Coming up, more and more people are discovering their retirement accounts have gone missing. What is happening and what you can do to prevent it? Welcome back to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesqua. How often do you check into your retirement accounts? For many, is it most every few months or so? And some people don't even look at their 401ks for years. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things so you, you put them away and you don't set look. it and forget it. You yeah. know, it's right. like the Ron Popeil of, exactly. of bank accounts. <laughs> um, but what we're about to tell you might make you check that account a little more often. It turns out that cyber criminals are targeting your 401k account. We spoke with cybersecurity expert Dr. Ed Peters about why. And he says it's as simple as just that a lack of monitoring. So they don't focus on it on a regular basis, such as daily. And the first time they may look at it is monthly or in some cases, simply quarterly. So that lag time from when somebody actually views the change in the information is a wonderful window for somebody looking to commit some kind of fraud. Yeah, if you don't, don't, don't watch it, Somebody you know, else is watching it, right? There yeah, you go. Criminals. In fact, there uh, in in one recent article, there was a woman who had $80,000 in one of her retirement accounts. And just like what we were talking yeah. about, wouldn't check it, you know, checked it every once in a while. And then a few months later, the balance was down to $8,000. Wow. She lost all that money. And turns out that somebody slowly was pulling money out of that account while she wasn't looking. So there's a service called ERISA Fiduciary Services in the last measurement period of 2017 to 2018. They found that cyber fraud is targeting retirement accounts, uh, that that cyber attack has tripled uh, from the previous year. So how are hackers getting into your accounts in the first place? 
It all starts with your email. Dr. Peter says you get a phishing email. You know what those are, what? Mm -hmm. They look really official. Totally. They look like they come from the bank. Uh, looking for more information like uh, your login name or even your password. If you get something from any one of the financial companies or a bank or any even Amazon or FedEx, always go to the website. Now, if, you're, if it looks like your bank is sending you something, I guarantee you, if you log off of that email, log on to your bank account through the secure server, if that is a message for you, you'll have a notification on your homepage at your bank or financial institution directing you to the same thing. Never trust anything you get in email. Right, yeah. so never trust it. So I've successfully taught my mom Anytime she gets an email like that, she says, she shows it to me and she says, is this <laughs> real? <laughs> Every single time because they look so official. They have the logos of your bank. They know what your bank is. They know kind of a lot of really important information about you. And so you fall for it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when you fall for these phishing emails and the hacker gets into your account, um, they look for messages indicating where to where you do your banking. Yeah. And then they just go right there. They triangulate. So what, what happens is you get these emails mm -hmm. and it says, click here and you click and then you fill out the form like you, you're thinking that this is the whole, mm -hmm. it looks, it says Chase Bank on it or right. Wells Fargo Bank right. or uh, whatever it is, wherever, Fidelity, whatever your 401k is, it says it right there and you start to fill it all out and then you push send and that information goes straight to the hacker and you have now opened your entire world to right. this person. And they and they don't even need that much information. No, they to probably get in. have most of it. Right. Because yeah. then all they need to do is just to just do that forgot my password. Mm -hmm. And then they've already redirected the email right back to, to themselves. Them. Yeah. Now they're in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they set up obviously they set up a new identity under that and yeah. then they start pulling just and they a little take bit a little at a time. time. Yeah. That's the drip. Of drip, yeah. right. So we spoke with Spencer McGowan, who is the president of McGowan Asset Management, and he says your email also gives these access to the necessary forms that they need to steal your funds. And the hackers will usually say, hey, didn't you get my last email? I need to get this money over there right away. Uh, send me the form, and then it'll come back. But what they did was they found one you did like a year ago and filled it out, stole your signature, that's the hacking that's the biggest danger. Wow. Mm -hmm. And Spencer says it's not just your 401k, by the way. That's not all they're stealing. They're also uh, thieves stealing from your regular checking account because they have access to that, too. The danger that people run into more often is where in your debit card you see, you see that you zealed somebody you don't know. Uh, those are the bigger dangers, and that's where staying on top of the checking and checking your transactions in the app that's where your real danger is you know we, we had somebody buy andrea bocelli tickets for like three grand in florida we're like wait this is on a corporate card you know so that's the more important thing is to check your your checking activity on a more frequent basis well, Spencer says that since that incident, his company now holds money in several different accounts to keep all the funds safe. He says that it, uh, accounts with debit card access are only funded as needed. So I had my accountant give me an interesting uh, idea. Tell so me. we have like a, a fund account where, where we keep our money. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, like a pocket account, which only has so much. 
Always. And it transfers in. The debit card does not work with the main account ever. It, it doesn't have that it's uh, only, overdraft. There's no anything. electronic connection right. to it. Other, the only way we can get money out of it is with a paper check Always. with two signatures. The debit card, so we'll, we'll put maximum $1,500 yeah. in the debit card to pay whatever we need to for, for, with the debit daily, card. Yeah, daily stuff, yeah? Right. So you never have access to it because I've had all of my money taken from my main account at one point. So oh. once you have that happen to you, you go, how do I stop this nonsense? Right. Because there's no way to really protect yourself if everything's open to everybody. Right. So you and have it, to protect yourself. And sometimes a lot of people, for convenience, attach all of their accounts yeah. to each other, like right. you're talking about. But then, once one of those accounts go down, then they all start going yeah. down, and then and yeah. then you have no recourse. So the bottom line: keep tabs on your financial accounts, like you're saying, whether it's a checking account or your savings or your 401k or whatever Any, it is. Anything that has your money in it. Right. And if you want to be proactive, don't depend on the bank to do all the security work for you. You can protect yourself, and here's how. Okay, so I was talking somewhat about this. Make sure any computer or device used to access accounts is protected by a firewall and has current antivirus and anti-spyware software, so you'll get an alert mm -hmm. if something is weird. And actually open and read any letters or paper statements from the places that manage your money just to make sure the money that you think is in that account is there. actually there and recorded. And if anything looks off, contact the company, obviously, right yeah. away. Now, if you have a large amount of money in an account, make sure the custodian has instructions to call you to get the go-ahead before moving funds to another account. Now, I said large amounts of money, but that's relative, right? Mm -hmm. $10,000 could be a, a whole bunch of money for somebody, right. or a million dollars. It doesn't really matter, because right. if you lose that money, you lose the money, whether it's 10000 right. or a million dollars or whatever. But uh, the other thing is, as I said, the paper thing is also good. I like Say, that hey, idea. if you're going to move money, if money's going to be moved, and the person that's, run, that's in charge of your account at the bank, mm -hmm. Uh, you always instruct them anytime anything moves beyond $500. $500 right. You, they give you a call. They say, hey, we're moving $500. Is that okay? You say, what, what it was it for? Or you, mm -hmm. if you initiated it, you would know. Well, that's smart. Got to be safe. I man. mean, look at you've it's worked your money. hard. You worked hard. You worked hard yeah. for that money. You're putting it away for a rainy day or your life savings or your retirement, and you don't want any of these thieves to come after it. And the fact is, as you just heard, it has increased three times. Yeah. They're, they're, they is, know. This is a thing they that know. people are doing, so you just need to protect yourself. We just want to give you all the information so you can go to your bank right now and check everything. Make sure it looks good. And these hackers are good. Yeah, they are. Jeez. We'll be right back. Next, she has comedy videos seen by millions. Hear what funny lady Diana Yanez is doing now. Our next guest knows what it's like to create viral videos. Her comedy sketches like Spanish for your nanny and Let Me Borrow That Top have hit 16 million views. That Spanish for your nanny is hilarious. It's on <laughs> off the charts funny. I, I know. know. Well, she's back in LA after a successful runoff on broad off Broadway in the comedy show Latina Christmas Special. Of course, we're way past Christmas. <laughs> but please welcome the very funny Diana Yanis. Nice to have you here, Diana. Hi, Diana. So let's, let, me. I'm so let's, lay the, let's lay the groundwork first. Okay. I'm Latino. Yes. You're Latina. 
Yes. I'm American of Mexican descent. You're American of? Cuban descent. And we are not similar in many, we're similar in some ways. Yes, but we use different words for certain things, <laughs> which can create a hilarious confusion. <laughs> it is, it, it's really funny stuff that you do, that you've created. Thank you. Thank just you showing the dynamic between the, and then this Latina Christmas, there's three of you there. Yes, exactly. Uh, at Sandra Valls and Maria Russell are my co-stars, and they are also of different descents. I, even though Maria is half Mexican, half Lithuanian, a Mexuanian uh, <laughs> from the Valley. Uh, and, uh, and then we have um, Sandra Falls, who is Mexican descent, born in America, but Laredo, Texas. Oh, so it's just the whole yeah. Texas thing. Literally, like half the city is on the other side of, <laughs> right. the, of the border. So right. she always says, I'm not just regular Mexican, I'm <laughs> Mexican. And, you bow and that's down, her and, joke, okay, not and mine. Then, and you bow down to the Estefan throne, right? Because you're yeah, Cuban. Actually, Cuban. I grew up right by Miami Sound Machine Drive, which Very used nice. to not be Miami Sound Machine <laughs> Drive when I was there, but during my my time there it changed. It was yeah. a south area. What was it? What did, they, what did you call it? La Sauesera. La Sauesera, yeah. La Sauesera, which, which stands is? for southwest area. Yes. Southwest area. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about why it was so important for you to get these different women together for this special. Because we all share a common narrative and the audience, whether you are Latin or not, can relate to what you're talking yeah, well, that was the main purpose of it all. I mean, I, I believe in that when we tell our stories, when we're honest about what we come from, we'll discover that human being is human being. Like, we all have similar experiences. And in America, especially, where there are millions, I mean, I know there's 52 million Latinos. I know there must be many, many more other first-generation Americans. So imagine that if we all told our stories, then we'd all suddenly go, oh, well, you're just like me. I had a Chinese-American friend who came to Latina Christmas Special who said, God, I never realized how Latin my family is, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Because so, yeah. everybody has the same relationship with their parents and their exactly. friends. Like, all you need to have to relate to the show is have a parent. Yeah. And I, I feel like that that's really connects all of us. Right. For all of us first generation or second generation, we all have relatives who speak the old language, speak Spanish, mm -hmm. and that, and add a little Spanglish. Lisa ha, you know, comes from an Italian, Italian family. family. Yes. So they have Italian, they speak, don't they? And, absolutely. And food is a big part of our lives. And, yeah, and absolutely. And so we have, we have a lot in common, and people don't realize realize that when you go to a show oh, like yeah. that you go hey I get it yeah it's me exactly and, and one of the reasons we have three three writer performers is that we wanted to give three different perspectives because each one of us is different from the other and um, and also that there's differences between Hispanic cultures like oftentimes people say oh you're you're Spanish you must be from wherever I, I, I don't know what they decide <laughs> but like oh I, I'll give you a great example I went on an audition and they said can you please spe speak educated Spanish oh jeez and I said said, okay, and, and, and then they said, could you do a, uh, Spanish without an accent? And I said, Spanish without an accent? Do you mean like Spanish from Spain? <laughs> like, fa, 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 fa. And she, they said, no, no, not, you know, just without an accent. I said, well, what's without an accent? And they said, well, Mexican. Me yeah. And oh. I said, Mexican yeah. has an accent no. compared oh, to... Oh, no, there's no accent in Mexican. <laughs> Come on. But no you know what I mean? Like, every, every, every culture, every country has no, their own accent. Totally, so totally. when they were saying without an accent, I was like, well, what do you mean without an accent? <laughs> every country, the only place that doesn't have an accent is Spain. Because they're Spanish. <laughs> right. I want you to tell me your favorite story about your family that, that you've kind of based part of this special on. Oh my gosh, well, um, there's a big story in the show 
uh, that I singled out just one of our uh, cockroach experiences. Cockroach, I said cockroach. Cockroach experiences in Miami. <laughs> it's a cockroach. I know, yeah. it's because it's cucaracha. cucaracha. <laughs> so you go cockroach. Yeah, syllable, and, yeah. uh, uh, but it's cockroach. Right. And, uh, and, you know, in Miami, first of all, we have really big ones, size of skateboards. Yeah. You know, sure. Really big. big. And very scary, and they fly. Uh -huh. right. So um, in, the, in the show, I talk about one of those experiences. Of course, I could write a whole show about all of the experiences we had. But one of the things that happened was that my family, being very uh, tight um, energy, you know, sort of explosive and chaotic, the experience we had when we were children was that cockroaches could kill you. Like, I thought that they were really deadly, that they could bite, <laughs> that they could, you know, because the, the experience was that it was horrible. It was horrible. So when I kind of left Miami and went to, I lived in Germany for a while, and uh, I, I somehow found out that, because they have German cockroaches. Of course cockroaches, they do. Cockroaches. But they're very disciplined. Right. And, and, but they're very disciplined. Yeah. They're very quiet. But, you know, my, my gut was to be, oh, we're going to die. And it turns out that there's nothing. They don't bite. They cannot kill you. They're not even really dirty. Now, I still, if you were to go, hey, well, what about this one? I'd be like, ah! But right. it's not it's not what what it's I so thought funny. it was, yeah. And so speaking funny. about Spanish Spanglish, I, I I actually discovered later in life there were a lot of words that I thought were Spanish. Yeah. There were actually English words in Cuban accent, like Sawaseta. <laughs> Sawaseta yeah. or closet. I wrote that on my college application. That, that looked, <laughs> I was yeah. like, what part of Miami from I went to Sawaseta? <laughs> thinking that that's I like, that your an actual of, I just like your description of closet. <laughs> I put la ropa in el closet. Right, exactly. closet is not the a Spanish closet. word. It's an English yeah, yes, word. Yes, yeah. well, no, closet. exactly. Yeah. And then people were like, you're not using the right word. And I, I, when I asked my mom, she said, uh, she said, well, it's, it's, it's like a, a closet from America, like hot dog and Chevrolet. Yeah. Closet, Chevrolet, yeah. hot, hot dog. Hot dog. My, eres un hot dog. My, my relatives used to say the gals of stational. Gas station. Gals <laughs> station. That's just how big. Diana, it's so Thank great to you, have Diana. you here. Best of luck. My pleasure. Good luck with it. I hope that we get to tour, it gets to tour and it goes all over the country and yeah. it gets picked up by yeah. some movie company. And we're looking great. forward to it. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. Thank you for coming. Thank you for and check out me. Spanish for your nanny. You'll laugh your head Hilarious. <laughs> Still ahead, she appears in the new Netflix series, Hentified. Brenda Banda talks about what was so moving to her while filming. Actress Brenda Banda stars as Norma in the Netflix series Hentified. The show is premiering this month and is already getting a lot of buzz. So welcome, Brenda. How Hi, Brenda. are you? Thank you. So I'm this great. is kind of like a Boyle Heights meets East L.A. meets El Monte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really about our people, isn't it? it? It really is. Anywhere, people that have to go through some changes, you know, financially and living situations. Yeah. Okay. And But this is for you. Your first big break, right? Yes. How I, excited are you? I mean, <laughs> and to have your first big break be on Netflix is kind of a big deal. It is a big, big deal. It is a really, really big deal, yeah. So tell me about Hentified. What's it about? Um, it's about a family that uh, owns a restaurant in Boyle Heights, and gentrification yeah. is happening, and they're struggling with how do we keep our uh, way of life, and how do we keep our dignity, 
and how do we keep this business alive and how do we keep the family together? Oh. Um, it's gut-wrenching at times, but mostly it's hilarious. And it's a, so, and you were saying it's a half-hour yeah, comedy, half comedy, ten episodes. Yeah. So it's perfect for a great afternoon binge watch. Right? Yes, you'll sit and you'll go through the episodes, I'm sure, and um, have a few snacks. What's <laughs> interesting to me is that this this story, and as I watch the some of the clips of this story is that this is a different view of America that most people don't get to see. We are Americans. Mm -hmm. We live as a community as Americans. Yes. We're of Mexican descent, and yeah. not many. there aren't many shows like this uh, that have been on TV. And there aren't, and they're, they're like slowly, you know, coming out. Um, it's even interesting to me and to people, I'm sure, who are first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation, yeah. right? Because what we're used to is not watching this. And um, we can quickly engage and we can quickly uh, feel like, oh, you know, I, I am like this character on Friends or whatever, right, yeah. that we watch. But it's different when you watch your stories. And I'm gonna tell you what the biggest thing here is. Um, Joaquin Cosio and uh, Laura Plata, I think mm -hmm. Plata is her last name. Um, they're the two parents, they're the, the, the elders in, yeah. the, in the show. They are so good. They are good. Mm -hmm. They are so real. He's really good. He's yeah, amazing. He is, yeah. Right. I s normally you see your friends and your cousins, but to see your parents or your grandparents or your tia, and done so well, that is the heart wrenching part. Yeah. It, you know these things can happen to our cousins and it's funny to our friends, but when you see your mother, your father <laughs> going through it, that's what you're seeing. Right. That's exactly right. what I saw. It takes yeah. your heart like you it just. Yeah. It, was there something in a script that maybe you were reading through a script and you you came across it and you had that? Was there a moment or a scene you can think of where that happened to you? Um, yes, um, many parts, but the biggest point, without giving anything away, yeah, just the final show, the final episode, and I I was so silly <laughs> to read it on set before I had to go on set, and I read it, and it just broke me. I was in tears. And, oh. and I was like, they're calling you, they're calling you. And um, I had to take tissue and I had to like breathe it out. Wow. It broke my heart. And, and that's what, I, and I'm just thinking about it. Oh my God. <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, yeah, it, it just, I don't know. Well, I think about you your body of work. You've done everything from screen to stage, and and, and you're also a, a fine art teacher. You teach you teach acting. So this yeah. is what you want, right? Yeah. This yeah. is what you want the actor to experience. Yeah. Is right. is the kind of the reality right. thing, right? Yeah, the empathy, right? Um, where I have been, I've had that empathy for characters that didn't look like me my whole life, yeah. right? Um, and now. That's why I get so like uh, tongue-tied and like my throat closes on me because <laughs> when you see something so close to you that you've never experienced, it, you know, like I've been I've been acting for over 20 years, right? So that moment of just reading the script, yeah. right. I can't even imagine what I'm going to do watching it. Right. And then, so what you're saying is being able to see you what you've known your whole life yeah. on black and white paper yeah. and then you get the opportunity to act that yeah. those opportunities i would imagine don't come around very often in hollywood yeah don't come around very often and um i've never even thought about that until that moment like i'm that type of person i go through life very much moment to moment what's going on here i do think of the future but in that moment um i was like this is new yeah. and you feel the power of what you're doing and the importance of uh, what is happening and why you're so proud to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, while there are shows right now that are probably touching on these subjects, um, this is taking it to the next level. 
right? A deeper level yeah. of empathy and familiarity. Well, the patchwork quilt of, of you know societies and cultures that are in our, in L.A. for sure mm -hmm. is something really to behold, and it's so much fun to watch you do your work, your great work. Hentified, hente means people, mm -hmm. hente, and gentrified means things are changing. changing. So you got right. it's a play on words, isn't it? It is a play on words, and it also is going to touch on how we change our neighborhood for ah. the worse or for the better. There oh, you go. Well, <laughs> by the way, it's Laura Patalano. I just didn't want to mess up her name. Okay. The other elder in the group. She's so fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Brenda, for coming. Oh Congratulations on the show. New show. It, it is looks a, fantastic. It's hilarious. A quick 30-minute, 10-episode binge. It's worth your time. Um, and it'll be premiering later this month. Yeah. Thank you for being here. No te preocupes. Todo va a salir perfecto. Ay, gracias. Gracias. Thank you. <laughs> Gracias, Brenda. Thank you. Tomorrow on Carlos and Lisa, the music of Ari TV, plus actors Ed Bagley Jr. and Eddie Martinez. All right, that'll do it for us today. You can watch us anytime on Beyond.TV. Let me spell it for you. Go That's B-E-O-N-D dot TV. And you can find us on Spotify and all our all because we're we're now a podcast, podcast as yes, well. Ma and check us out on KSL TV app and also on KDLC. We're everywhere now. Thanks so much for watching.